We are in a season of Advent where we remember that, that God promised a Messiah and that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came as a baby in the manger who would ultimately redeem humanity of, its, of, of our sins by giving his life. And we also remember that the very same Jesus that came just as promised as a baby in the manger will one day return to usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And um, it seems to me that when we talk about things like new heaven and new earth, there's some parts about that that are a little bit murky. Because like, we, we live in a culture that talks about heaven quite a bit. Like just, uh, let me put up a cartoon. Here's a cartoon I saw recently. Um, I mean, which would be a pretty good indication of what we often imagine with heaven, right? You go to heaven and you grow wings. You grow to heaven and it's kind of a cloud city. You grow to go to heaven and, well, in this case, I think it's kind of funny. You know, it says no atheists and says, I don't believe it. Anyway, that's just funny. I think that's funny. Um, or we imagine something a little bit like this. Here's this next picture, full screen. One that's, that's maybe, you see a number of the dominant themes that show up when we talk about heaven. Again, it's kind of a cloud city. People, people grow wings or they become angels. Is that happening? And it's just kind of like this really, really, really long church service in the clouds. <laughs> so in honor of that, we're going to have a really, really long... No, no, we're not. Actually, we're not going to do that. Um, or you maybe think of some of the ways that we, we experience heaven in, in just in popular culture. Like how many songs have heaven as a theme? Like, baby, when you're in my arms, it's like... Heaven. How many, how, many, how many songs have that kind of a theme? We talk about heaven quite a bit, but it's kind of murky. You know, honestly, even among Christians, it can be kind of murky. Those of us who do believe in heaven, some parts of it are, are fuzzy. Some parts of it are a little, little hard to understand. So what I wanted to do this week and next is just do a deep dive into what the Bible promises about the new heaven and the new earth. And today what I want to do is we'll clear up two really key misconceptions. One about timeline and the other about location. Things that we, we for whatever reason, because we don't put all the pieces together, it's just hard to, hard to figure it all out. And my hope for all of it, and my hope for you today, whether you're in, in the room or the many that are online right now, is that right is that today God would increase your longing for heaven because the third misconception that we too often make as Christians is we don't believe big enough. Because you know, if heaven is just a cloud city with really one long church service. Maybe it's harder to look forward to that. <laughs> but what the Bible actually points us to is so much more wonderful, so much more marvelous. And so I want us to do a deep dive. So here's what I want to do. So this week, I want to look at the timeline issue. I want to look at location issue. I want to stir your heart with longing for the new heaven and new earth. And here's what I'd like you to do. Next, here's what we're going to do next week, and you can help me with this, is I want you to ask your heaven question. 
So on the insert that you have, you can write it down there and we can, well, when the baskets get passed around a little bit later in the service, you can put it in there. Or if you, if you keep your insert for notes, which I hope you are taking, by the way, then put it on the connection cards in the back of the seats. Just pull out one, you know, see the, see the little floppy cards in front of you? Just write your question on there, put it in there. Or you could, if you're online, leave a comment online and um, I'll check all of them. Um, or you could email me. That's another great way to get a hold of me. Andrew at ColumbiaGrove.org. Just send me your questions. And I want to thank you that a number of you already have because I already put something out um, with the e-news this past week. So I've already got a number of good questions. I'll, all the questions that come in by next Wednesday morning, I'll do, we'll try to include them in one way or another. I'm assuming we're going to have several questions that overlap um, you know, do, are, will, my, will my pets go to heaven? Those kind of things. Um, and then what I want to do next week is just take a really honest biblical look at those, at those questions, uh, including um, being really transparent about what parts of this are kind of solid, like we see it in multiple places in the scriptures. This, there's really broad consensus. This is what this is, you know, this is about among theologians and what parts are honestly more speculative. So I was actually thinking I'll have like a little green flag and a little yellow flag or whatever. So we can just be really clear about what parts are like clear in the scriptures, what parts are, you know, this might be more conjecture or opinion. But I want it, the bottom line is I want us together to increase our longing for heaven. Now, throughout these next couple of weeks, I don't really care whether or not you agree with me because my opinion doesn't matter very much. But what I do hope we do together, and this is what I hope you'll do if you, if you hear something and you go, I don't know about that. Here's what I want you to do. As I want you to search the scriptures. So on the, on the insert that you have, or if, you, if you're joining us online, um, if you go to, uh, maybe, maybe it's later, open up another screen, uh, the message notes, columbiagrowth.org, message notes, look for that. that those key scriptures, they're all going to be there. Take a look at the scriptures, because what I hope we will do, what I hope we will do, let me see your eyes, what I hope we will do together is we'll, we will let the Bible inform our imagination. Because here's the thing. What the Bible tells us about heaven is way better than what you have probably imagined. Way, whoa. <laughs> way better than what you... <laughs> so I don't want you falling for... Anyways, falling, falling for things that maybe, are, maybe are, just, are just speculation or untrue or just... Or as we might come to discover along the way, I'll kind of point some of this out. A lot of our imaginations of heaven are more shaped by like Greco-Roman mythology or um, a, a Greco-Roman system of thought called Platonism than... We, we probably care to admit. But what we could do, what we could do is be people who are rooted in the word and let what God's word says and what God promises for us, let that ignite our imagination. We don't think about, I won't do that again. We won't think, we don't think about heaven enough. It is so, so good. Okay, you with me? You're thinking your questions? We'll play Stump the Pastor next week. It'll be super fun. Okay? So, uh, so write them down and let's, and let's get on it. So misconception number one has to do with timeline. 
timeline. We're gonna, I'm going to put up a little, a little, there it is. Thank you. Thanks, tech team. I love our tech team. The, um, a, li- a little graphic. And this might, if you're taking notes, this one might be worth writing down. Okay? Here's the thing that we most often miss about heaven, or, the, or what I should say, heaven now. You, you know, like how on the little maps, you got the little arrow? Arrow. Arrow. This is where we are. Heaven, he, heaven now, earth now. There's a heaven now, earth now. But the heaven that exists right now is not its final form. So we have to remember timeline. Now, in the little, um, the little image we've got there, uh, some of the symbols on there are also deliberate. Like you see heaven now, earth now, and there's a line between the two. That's because, see, heaven exists right now. God is being eternally worshipped in heaven right now. Heaven is perfect. It's the place where all the spiritual creatures dwell. And there's earth now. But most of the time in our experience of it, they are functionally separated. That's why you, when you go to Costco, you don't see angels walking down the aisles. Because there are spiritual beings and there are material beings. And for the most part, the spiritual beings live in heaven. And the material beings live on fallen earth. Now, earth was created good. If you read Genesis 1, Genesis 2. I mean, God delighted in his, in his, in his creation of earth. Delighted in the creation of our first parents, Adam and Eve. But he gave them a gift of free will. So that they could freely follow. But our first ancestors, our first parents, rather than choose to exercise their free will to freely follow, they chose to exercise their free will to rebel against God. And that caused a huge fracture in the good creation that God intended for us. And so there is a functional separation between perfect heaven and fallen earth. There's still plenty of things on earth that are beautiful, but even the beautiful things that we experience on earth, and thank God there are many, they are in a muted form. They are in a broken form. It's almost like if earth was created in color and we live in black and white. You know, earth was created 4K and, and, we, and, and you are in low resolution, you know, little TikTok like TikTok level video. I, I, I didn't. Some of you don't even bother looking that up. Okay. But the point is, what we have now is just a shadow of what God originally intended and what, thank God, will one day be. So, earth and heaven right now both exist. That's why when we, when we die now, there is a heaven that, as believers, we go to now. To, as Paul would say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. As the thief on the cross would speak to Jesus and confess his faith, Jesus would say to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. So when we die in the faith, now we, we go to be with Christ. There is also in the scriptures listed, and perhaps for those who are not believers, a place called the, the place of the dead, Hades. Sometimes it's listed as the sea for those who die at sea. But there's a place of the dead, and there's those who go to be immediately with Christ. Now, there is 
honest Christian speculation and differences of opinion of just how aware in the heaven now, like how consciously aware we are in the, in the heaven, heaven now. I personally believe that we, that we have a high degree or at least some degree of awareness of the passage of time. We have some degree of awareness of what's going on on earth because the passage is like Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race set out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, etc. It seems that, that for those who die in Christ now, there is something They're with Christ and there's some degree of awareness. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that they are waiting for what the big thing that will happen after Christ returns. The heaven that we have right now, whatever exactly that is, and there are honest Christians, differences of opinion of exactly how that functions and what that looks like right now, whatever it is right now, it is heaven in its, in its current form, but it is a temporary form. It's not the final version. The final version happens after Christ returns. Now, um, you notice on the little chart, I've got stars next to Christ returns. Because there's a few things that are going to happen soon before Jesus returns. And those things are worth well, they're definitely worth talking about. Um, you know, so the Bible talks about things like the, a time of tribulation, uh, ending in some really cataclysmic war, and a time of rapture, hopefully not in that order. Uh, but that, that could have been a funny line, by the way. I'm surprised you didn't catch that. Okay, but hopefully, hopefully not in that, in that order. And, there, and, it, and it might be really interesting to like talk about that and a lot of our discussions of heaven and you know the end times that kind of focus in on those things. When will the tribulation happen? How will it happen? What will the rapture be? Is it pre-trib? It, yay! Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? How does all that stuff work? Honest Christian differences of opinion. Um, and for what it's worth, in what, in what I'm hoping to do these next two weeks, I don't want to focus too tightly on that. And here's why. Here's why. Imagine you were getting ready to move to Hawaii. Some of you imagined that this morning. Imagine you're getting ready to move to Hawaii. For those of us who live on the West Coast, for you or me to move to Hawaii, you're going to have to pass through Seattle. And you're going to have to go through SeaTac. And you're going to have to get on an airplane. And there are a few things you need to know, like about you know, SeaTac and remembering your boarding pass and getting on the airplane. But the truth is, whether or not you know very much about the airplane, or even you know too much about Seattle or SeaTac, that's not actually the point. Those are just waypoints towards the final destination. The final destination, if you're moving to Hawaii, is where? Right. And so, Hawaii. And, and so, things like the tribulation whatever exactly that is going to be like. The rapture, whatever exactly that's going to be like. And we can have lots of rich conversation on those things, and I hope you do. Those are just waypoints. It's not the final destination. That's, a little, that's some turbulence on the flight to the final destination. And if you're on a trip to Hawaii, the most important thing to remember, let me see your eyes, stay on the plane. You don't need to understand everything about the plane. You don't need to have all your questions figured out about the plane. Just stay on the plane. 
If you stay on the plane, you'll be fine. Get off the plane, it's not good. Stay on the plane, even if you don't understand all of it. Jesus is one day going to usher in a new heaven and a new earth. That is our destination. So on the stars to the left-hand side, there, that's, you can, if you want in fine print, you can write tribulation, rapture. That's good. Because those are, that's part of, what, part of that journey. And then immediately after Jesus returns, there are three things that happen. And we read about those, especially in the book of Revelation chapter 20, if you're taking notes. And now two of those things, two, actually two of the three things are ones that are really well cross-referenced in Scripture. And one of the three is one where there also are some honest question marks. Now, Revelation 20 says there are three things that happen right after Christ returns. One is the millennium. There'll be a thousand-year reign where seemingly some people are resurrected and they rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And unfortunately for us, um, Revelation 20 is the only place the millennium is discussed in the Bible. So there are some honest question marks. Is that like a literal thousand years? And who's going to be included? And who's not going to be included? And how's all that work? Or is it amillennialism or pre Like, There's a lot of honest questions about that. But then there's two where, the, where the, the Bible is enormously clear. And these are the ones I hope we can focus on. The second thing that will happen is everybody gets resurrected. Everyone. Everyone. Those that died in Christ, those, those that, that who, who are resurrected out of the place of the dead, those who are resurrected out of the sea, the, everybody gets resurrected. Everybody. And the, so we'll come back to some of this next week, but just as a, as a, as a, as a starting point is, you might wonder, so what, what's our resurrected body going to be like? Well, the great part about this is there's, there's a really good example of what a resurrected body looks like. That's Jesus. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the prototype. He's the one who got resurrected first. And the part that's kind of interesting, and we'll go into this more next week, so please, please be part of this next week, okay, is the resurrected body, it seems, it's pretty amazing. It's kind of like the body that you had now, which is pretty amazing. Um, but the injuries go away. The pain goes away. Everything starts to work properly again. You're still a physical being. You don't turn into an angel. Jesus didn't grow wings. You don't change your species. But you still get to do the, all the cool human stuff that we do. Jesus ate with his disciples. And you hear, anybody here like to eat? Jesus ate with his disciples. He got to hug his disciples. Anybody here, you know, like to actually hug people? And there's some things that Jesus seemed to be able to do in his resurrected body that we can't do right now. Like Jesus was in one place and then zip-zap, he showed up in another place. Oh, that'd be interesting. There was a locked room that Jesus just showed up in. That's interesting. Jesus is the prototype of resurrection. Everybody gets resurrected. And then 
There is also, then there's the judgment seat. And at that place of judgment, you, you and I, we will be judged by one of two things. We will either be judged on the merits of Jesus, where our righteousness before God is going to be based on what Jesus did for you and for me and for us. I'm with him. Either you'll be judged by the merits of Jesus or actually the very worst thing that could possibly happen to you will happen. You will be judged on your own merit. You will get exactly what you and I and me apart from Christ deserve. And we might think of that as being a good thing because you maybe you're maybe you we all kind of assume ourselves to be just a little bit better than the people around us. And maybe God grades on a curve. But the truth is, all of us, all of us, even the best of us, Billy Graham falls short of the glory of God. Mother Teresa falls short of the glory of God. The only difference is they know it. And so they, they put their trust in the merits of Christ. All of us one day will find ourselves before the judgment seat of God. Every person, you can, whether you believe in God or not. It's kind of like you can believe in the moon or not. It doesn't really change anything. Tides still happen. All of us, all of us will one day stand before the judgment seat of God. Either be judged absolutely fairly by our own merit and what we did or didn't do. And unfortunately, all of us then... All of us who choose to be judged by our own merit will be found wanting. Or we will be judged by the merits of Jesus. Look it up. Revelation chapter 20. And then, and then, these are the, these are the waypoints. So there's the two key things, the tribulation, the rapture prior to the time Christ returns, after Jesus returns, the millennium, a little bit of a question mark. What's that look like? I don't know exactly, but read it. We trust it. Somehow we're going to look back on history and say, yes, Lord, it's exactly like you said. We just didn't totally get it on the front end. Second thing, resurrection. Third thing, judgment. And then we get to the actual final destination, which is the new heaven and the new earth. We read about that in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. We read about that in Isaiah 65 with a fair amount of detail and we read about that in Isaiah chapter 11 which is where I want us to spend the rest of our time together today. That in the new heaven and the new earth it seems like heaven, heaven and earth start, they, get to, they get to reconnect because the scriptures talk about how the new Jerusalem descends from heaven to earth. It's a new capital city for earth earth and all of the splendors and glories and perfections of heaven get reconnected to the broken beauty of earth and we and we begin to feel the results of that and Isaiah 11 starts to give us some hints of what that will be like so if you got your bibles let's take a look at that together you ready Nod your head, shake your head. Some of you are like, what is you doing? We're going to talk about heaven today. We're going to talk about the new heaven and the new earth, which we see throughout the scriptures. And it's amazing. So Isaiah chapter 11, let's read verses 1 through 10 and take a look at some really key ideas that we see there. 
A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Who do you think Isaiah is talking about here? Jesus, obviously. Jesus. It's 500 years before the time of Jesus, but he is talking about Jesus. Jesus was from the line of David. David's dad was Jesse. God promised David that the, that the, that the messianic king would come through his line. Jesus is a fulfillment to that promise. And even though it feels like Israel has just been cut down, it feels like Israel's a stump, they are not without hope. The hope for Israel is who? The hope for us is who? This is a passage about Jesus. So, as Jesus comes to rule and reign, what's he do? Let's find out. Keep reading. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt. And faithfulness, the sash around his waist. When Jesus comes in power on the earth, there will be true justice. True justice. You know, when the poor of the earth, the oppressed of the earth receive justice, that's true justice. Because that means justice for everyone. Everyone. Jesus will return to set things right. Jesus will return and crime will end. Jesus will return and racism will end. Jesus will return and oppression will end. Jesus will, will, will return and rather than having everybody fighting over the little scraps of the piece of pie, like so who gets a piece of pie? There's just more pie. There's enough pie for everyone. True justice will come to earth. And in true justice coming to earth through the true king coming to earth, it changes some of the fundamental characteristics of earth. And that's where it gets even more interesting. Got your Bibles open? Let's keep reading. This is cool. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. I can't even get our cat to lie down next to the dog. Okay? The wolf will lie down with the lamb, leopard lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The, the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse, and who's that? Jesus, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be what? Glorious. One day, as heaven 
comes to earth, as the rule of heaven actively, completely comes to earth, as the prayer that we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When that prayer is completely fulfilled, and one day it will be, there's going to be some change around here. And it's going to be pretty amazing. This passage helps us to speculate at a few of those changes. I realize I'm about to stretch your imagination. That's the point. It seems that in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be some adjustments in our ecology, some adjustments in our biology. Perhaps it'll be even an end to the predator and prey relationships that we experience on earth now. That somehow animals will be able to coexist without having to kill one another. It seems, I'm going to push you just a little bit here, it seems that somewhere in that process, you and I, we, we're all going to become vegetarians or vegans or something like that before you leave the room. Remember that even eating meat didn't show up in the Bible until Genesis chapter 9. It was a concession after the fall. And more importantly... You have never tasted a redeemed carrot. (laughs) My least favorite food on the entire planet is beets. Some of you already know that. To say I dislike them is not to use strong enough language. Those are just horrid things. I put them in my mouth. I know some of you, you love beets. I love you. It's fine. There's something just wrong with my body, I think. I put those things in my mouth and I just think it should not be there. This is disgusting. Can I get an amen? Amen. A few of you. Okay, some of you are like, I'm walking out. You know, take my tithe. I'm gone. Okay, (laughs) but here's the point. Here's the point. In the redeemed earth, when everything functions as it should, when rather than us having to scrap and fight the ground for food, the, the earth and arguably even the entire universe begins to teem with life. I believe in the new earth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really enjoy beets. And I'm telling you, friends, that is a miracle. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. In fact, everything, everything will be made new. Everything. Not just the beets, but you. We get new hearts. We still have free will. But our will, we, it's like, we, it's like the, the, the genetic, spiritual genetic disorder that we inherited from our first parents. It gets broken. And so rather than us choosing to live in rebellion against God, where our default is selfishness, It's replaced with the default of trust. I will get a new heart. I will get new desires. And the God who made me and you and us, as he resurrects my body from the, from the, from the ground, will make a world so good that it fulfills all of those desires. 
that every good thing that we experience on earth will continue in the new heaven and the new earth. Only better. Don't you think that the God who made you, the God who knows the number of hairs on your head, the God who knows the thoughts in your heart, the things going through your mind, the God who loves you more than you love yourself, don't you think that God could create a deeply satisfying place for you to dwell with him for all eternity? So friends, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. That's the point of this, of even starting to move into these speculative passages or these speculative ideas around some, some, some bedrock biblical prophecy. We don't think about heaven enough. We don't think about heaven enough. You know, um, maybe this is a silly illustration, but see, the, the first step towards positive change is, is when we actually imagine it could happen. Do you have a, do you have a cell phone on you? Uh, I'm not going to make you do anything with it other than maybe just take it out and look at it for just a moment. Just, just for a moment. Just look at it for just a moment. You know, back in the 1940s and the 1950s, in the, in the, in science fiction writers would start to imagine um, communication devices where someone anywhere on the planet could talk to someone else anywhere on the planet. And remember Buck Rogers and the, maybe, you know, like, the, like their, their, their video, the watch, they could have conversations to pe- with other people through their watches. And you've got one of those in your pocket. Isn't that amazing? Do you know how it got there? In addition to all the, all the technological developments, and it got the, 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 one of the first reasons it arrived there is because somebody imagined it. And the imagination started to direct the problem-solving. And engineers and software developers, manufacturers, over time, eventually we would have that incredible, incredible device you have in your, in your, in your pocket with more power than it took, more computational power than, than, the, than NASA used to put a man on the moon. You've got it in your pocket because somebody imagined it. What do you think could happen on Earth if, if there were people who dared to imagine what it could look like to have a world without death? What do you think would happen if there was, if there was, a, if there was a group of people that imagined what it would be like to, to have poverty absolutely eradicated from the planet? A group of people who imagine a time when there will be true justice. Well, imagine a time where there is no scarcity. So we no longer need to battle over resources. I'm telling you, friends, there are forms of imagination that are actually incredibly practical. Because the only people who are going to actually solve the big problems or move us closer, 
because I don't think we're going to solve any of those kinds of problems on this side of Christ's return. But the ones who can actually make some degree of progress towards those things are the ones who will dare to imagine it. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. God has good plans for his children. Dream more about heaven, not less. Your heart will not ache this much forever. You will not miss your loved ones in the same way that you do right now forever because God is making a new heaven and a new earth. The injustices of this world now will not last forever. The sadness in this world will not last forever. Do you believe me? So get get your hopes up. Allow God to get your hopes up. (laughs) Dream. Imagine. God isn't through with this world yet. He's not through with you yet. Get your hopes up. What if this Christmas season is one where you don't just survive, though, for the record, I hope you do. It's not one that you just make a few really happy memories with the people around you, though, for the record, I hope you do. What if this Christmas season, more than anything, is one that you look back on and say, that was the Christmas I grew closer to Jesus. That was a Christmas where I learned to trust him more with my life. Because I'm telling you, friends, when, as we're talking about those big themes of Christmas, and even the world, even our culture talks about these things, like love and joy and peace. Those things, they don't come from a store. And, I, and I'm, not dissing, I'm not dissing holiday shopping. Gift giving is great. They don't come from a store. They come from Jesus. So let him and what he's doing in this world and what he will one day do in the new heaven and the new earth Let that fill your imagination. What would it look like to draw close to Christ this Advent in Christmas season? You look back in January and you say, I got to know Jesus better this Christmas. What would that look like? As we close, invite us to pray. Invite you to, if you're able, and if, 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 I invite you to stand. Um, if, you're, if you're not able or it actually honestly feels better to sit, that's okay. But I just invite you. And I, would just, and I would invite you, and again, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do anything, I say. But, but I invite you to just open your hands in a, just a posture of receptivity. Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell among your people now. And though at times we struggle to see what you are doing here on this earth, 
Lord, we long to have eyes to see your work better. Lord, I long to draw closer to you. I long to get to know you better. Lord, thank you that you are doing things in the world around me right now that I often can't see. And Lord, thank you that you have a plan for this world just like you have a plan for me. That you're not done yet. That I can live as a person of hope, as a person with peace, as a person with joy. Lord, fill me with your joy. Fill me with your hope. Fill me with your peace today. Fill me with your love today. Fill me with your spirit today. Lord, increase my imagination. Increase my longing. Thank you for the new heaven and the new earth that is to come. Pray all these things in the name of the one who came from heaven to earth who died on my behalf, and who rose again and ascended into heaven to show me the way. Because he was the way. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.